Big Conversations Little Bar with your hosts Randy Florence and Patrick Evans, featuring candid conversations with the Coachella Valley's most interesting and influential people. Pull up a bar stool and enjoy Big Conversations Little Bar. Welcome to another edition of Big Conversations Little Bar, our great little podcast hosted at Little Bar at the center of the Coachella Valley Universe, Skip Page's Little Bar. I'm Patrick Evans, one of your hosts, and I'm ably accompanied by Randy. I'm glad to be here. It's always fun to be here. I don't know what day this is because we're never supposed to talk about the day or the year or the month. But it feels a little while since we've been here. It does. Not that anybody would notice, but we did take a couple weeks off. Randy was traveling. John was traveling. So it's nice to have the whole family back together at Little Bar. And I really particularly, Randy, want to thank you for corralling the most incredible dynamic duo, the Palm Springs Power Couple, that is our, ho- our, our guest. We're the hosts. I guess, see, it's been a long while since we've done As this. As of right this moment. Would you please introduce our guests? <laughs> You said it. There are families that span generations in this desert. Our guests today represent two of those families that have been joined as one. I want to introduce to you the Executive Director of Modernism Week, Lisa Bossler-Smith, and the internationally renowned sculptor, Philip K. Smith. Welcome to the show. Hi. Did I get the names right? Did I introduce you pretty accurately? You can just call me Lisa. You can just call me Phil. Let's start over. You want to do the introduction again? I think internationally renowned Phil is good. I mean, like, just leave off the last yeah. name. Just. Don't even call him Phil. Uh, welcome are, to the show. Phil. Thank you. Nice it's, to be here. It's great yeah, to have thanks you. Thanks for having us. You guys do come from two, you know, very prominent families here in the Coachella Valley. So my first question is, is this some sort of arranged marriage? Was this worked out in advance? But <laughs> Well... <laughs> It actually was. Our mothers introduced us 20 years ago. Is that so right? They might have known something. They, they had an idea. Moms are good about that. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for carving out time from what I know is an extremely busy schedule, uh, even here in the midst of the hot summer. But uh, we really appreciate you coming in because uh, it, I, I have known both of you for a long time and worked uh, pretty close with you on Modernism Week stuff over the years. Mm-hmm. But this is a great chance to sit down and really kind of dig in and find out a little more about both of you. Uh-oh. Thank you, Ed. Uh, I'm nervous <laughs> Don't to be tell nervous. you. It's, it's our first time together. So yes. Really? We, we haven't done an interview like this together <laughs> But before. you know each other. <laughs> we have met. Reasonably well. I think we can pull this off. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I had the honor of uh, interviewing Lisa on a, a previous podcast that I did a couple of years ago. The situation was completely different at the time because we were in the middle of a pandemic but I knew I walking away from there that it was going to be great to have the two of you on at one time because you spent so much time talking about Philip um, my favorite subject you did that uh, that I knew we had to bring him on here so thank Thank you for being here and and you also um, your biggest fan Lisa I think in this valley is probably your mom oh thank you hi judy i have to say hi to you You know i'm lucky because i have not only my mom judy vossler but i have philip's mom becky smith i have a lot of uh second moms that have been there for me over the years and uh, i've had really really terrific mentors here in the valley well let's talk about that a little bit because i know that uh your time in the valley started very early you came out here from Oklahoma City? Yes, yeah, from Oklahoma City originally, and my family moved here in 1980. I don't mind telling you I was 10 years old at the time, but, you know, I came out here for summer vacation, and we ended up moving. <laughs> so, we, uh, I, I was 
I went from the swimming pool to being registered at Lincoln Elementary in Palm Desert. So um, it was really a fun place to grow up. Philip and I both grew up only about two miles from each other um, in La Quinta and Indio. We didn't know each other growing up, but our moms introduced us once we were adults in our 30s. And, um, you know, growing up in the desert then in the 80s was an entirely different world than it is now. There was no Coachella. There was no Acrisure Arena, you know. so was just uh, ice skating at the mall. Yeah, ice skating at the mall. <laughs> That's right. You had to make your own fun. And so it's fun to find out that we actually had friends in common, places that we were at the same time in common. Straw Hat Pizza, of course, figuring prominently for a lot of kids <laughs> right. in the desert. But um, it's you know it's really special to not only live here and call it home, but to be married to someone who who is also from here. You know, that's a pretty common story that we hear: the people who uh, born, raised, <clears throat> leave and then come back. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a chance that you weren't gonna come back? I think that my mom and dad probably thought that when I left. I mean, I, you, you know. You went to school in Rhode Island. I went to school in Rhode Island. So, I mean, I, you know, moved here when I was, here to the desert when I was seven from LA. And, you know, went to Palm Valley School, first class through the high school, graduating class of four. And then uh, went, went from that massive There were 30 situation. people in the class, but only yeah. four of them graduated. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Uh, yeah, I actually uh, shared valedictorian with a friend of mine in the class, which meant the other two were below average. But, and they're um, still mad about it. Yeah, they are. They are. Uh, but yeah, no, went uh, 3,000 miles away to the other side of the country to the East Coast to Rhode Island School of Design and was in Providence and Boston and New York for 11 years and... I don't know. I think there's there is something about the desire to leave your home to try another part of the world. I lived in Rome for a while, uh, but I think after a while you realize, you know, when you come back home for spring break, you're like, wow, it is pretty nice here. <laughs> and I think you know, eventually, it's like it's also home. So I think there's something that about being. Uh, you know, close to family and, and, and doing something that you feel passionate about in a, in, a, in a place where you grew up and that you feel connected to. Were you always creative on the artistic side? And I, is that what took you back east? I, I think we finally threw away a whole shelf full of trophies from like the art award from first grade through high school. <laughs> um, so yes, well, I, there's only four of you, so. <laughs> right, competition wasn't stiff. I, uh, no, but I, I, yeah, I was always drawing and always loved art class and loved being in that whole, you know, method of making. And so it definitely came came naturally to me. I wouldn't know what else to do. Was it pretty supported by your parents? Very much so. And, you know, my mom was trained as a graphic designer, was an interior designer. My dad works for Sunrise Company and development. And so I kind of uh, was, you know, raised uh, through architecture and design, ultimately. So talk a little bit about how you, you take, because you, you're drawing and, and the sorts of things that kids do as artists and developing that, but to these very large-scale projects that you do, because they're immense and kind yeah. of immersive, uh, and yeah. the scale to me is just so impressive. Th well, thanks. I mean, I look, I, I mean, ultimately, I, I went to Rhode Island School of Design for architecture. So I have a kind of uh, like a general affinity um, for architecture and scale and building at scale and know how things go together. And so uh, I just started to get these opportunities. I mean, really through Coachella and through Desert X, you know, things were happening here locally that gave me a chance to think about art at the scale of architecture. Um, 
So, uh, you know, I also had opportunities early on in architecture, built the Family Life Center for the Palm Desert Community Presbyterian Church. I designed the homeless shelter for the Coachella Valley Rescue Mission, was my last big building. Um, but I, you know, have been basically an artist since 2008. So. Do you ever miss the, the architect, kind of the practicality of the architecture side? I definitely don't miss the practicality. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't mind. So the left and right brain are not no, equal. I'm really jonesing yeah. for designing more HVAC systems and bathrooms. <laughs> I love those ADA ramps. But I, um, no, I, <laughs> look, everything for me starts through drawing. And uh, you were asking about how do these things actually begin? They start through drawing. And they start through thinking through an idea. And they start to build and build and you start to collaborate with other people in, uh, on your team. And eventually, you know, sometimes weeks later, sometimes years later, these things are real. And it's incredibly satisfying, like building a piece of architecture, that these things, you know, come into reality at the scale that they're at and can share this with the world. You know, Skip was our very first guest on the podcast and talked about the origins of the, the festivals. Yes. Uh, and you have two... Uh, enduring pieces of artwork portals. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you connected with with the the, the festivals to do that. I mean, those guys, uh, Golden Voice, came out to an installation I was doing at the time up in Joshua Tree called Lucid Stead. It's on my five acres up there, a, a little homesteader cabin. We wrapped it with mirrors and it glowed in the evening and it sort of blew up in my face in the most exciting of ways. But a bunch of the Golden Voice people came up and they're like, hey, you know, we'd love to show this piece out of Coachella. We, we want to bring the cabin out. I'm like, well, that's great, but you can't bring Joshua Tree with it. You know, it's reflecting all of Joshua Tree. And I was kind of concerned about like being the shack guy, um, you know? And so I, I said, I'm going to do something better. So we, we, we took the, the four windows in the doorway from this set and blew it up three times and they became these big monolithic mirror color shifting pieces and kind of pushed the idea even further than we had. And, um, you know, that was a huge success and kind of a changer for them and curation out there for art. And then they invited me back a couple years later and we did portals, big 85 foot diameter pavilion for these, uh, these eight circular light pieces. It was, it was so much fun to be out there working and, and, and to do something like that scale. Cause you go out there Sunday when polo ends and there's nothing. It's like a square mile of grass and you've been looking at this thing, it's 125 feet in diameter, it's huge. And you go out there and you put it down little pieces of little flags and like, this thing's teensy. And then all of a sudden Coachella grows up in 10 days around it and the doors open and there's 125,000 people and the scale is perfect and there's just that vibe and that mood and feel and you're part of it, you know? So it's, some of the stuff that you've done, I, I have to assume, if you haven't done it before, you're not exactly sure what the effect is going to be like the first time the sun goes down or something like that. Welcome to my world. Yeah. This is, we can, we can, we can kind of uh, guesstimate and, and talk about it and have the sense of, I think this is going to be successful. I, I hope this works. I think it's going to work. But part of the joy is going to the challenge of getting the thing built. And when it, when it is built, there's this feeling that you know 60% of it is right on. And the other 40% is the stuff you would had no idea it was going to happen. That's the that's the good stuff. That's the golden butter of the process of making that then inspires the next project. So. Very cool. That's yeah. really cool. Uh, you guys, uh, you know, obviously, there are a couple things that really... You, know, you talked about growing up in the 80s, how different the desert was, mm -hmm. Lisa. But I, I think some of the things that make it very de different now 
Coachella Stagecoach Modernism Week. Mm-hmm. How about uh, that? And you guys both have, you know, hands on both of these things. Ooh, that's exciting. It is very cool. <laughs> I mean, it's really shaped the modern Coachella Valley experience for people who both live here, but also for for the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who come here to enjoy oh, yeah. all of these cool events. Talk yeah. a little bit about the inception of modernism, and did you ever imagine it becoming what it has become? Wow. Well, you know, it's been such a tremendous opportunity, and I appreciate that over the last 20 years, as Modernism Week has grown and Coachella around that same time and everything, if we look at the B&P and the film festival, you know, we all knew the desert had this kind of growth potential. It, it was palpable when I moved back after being gone for a few years for college as well. Philip and I both ended up back in the desert in 2000. And right around that time, you know, mid-century modern properties were starting to turn over and be renovated in Palm Springs. They'd kind of been long forgotten about when the Mid Valley and East Valley exploded and, and you know, growth expanded. But these little mid-century properties from the 50s and 60s that are really all over the valley, from Coachella all the way to Palm Springs. But in Palm Springs, so many of those residences were almost like preserved in a time capsule, you know, because they just sat there untouched. And so once they started seeing what historic preservation can do on on the good side to protect you know buildings that would otherwise be destroyed as well as the fact that tourists would come from all over the world to see what is special about the architecture in Palm Springs so it really was 19 years ago that a group of friends got together um, they were combined of, you know, architecture curators, historians, enthusiasts, residents, but people who had a stake in the heritage of Palm Springs and how we would turn that into cultural tourism. And so that group of founding organizations that helped start Modernism Week 19 years ago they are all still involved. Those five founding organizations are still our founding partners. We now have 65 partner organizations and businesses that help us produce all of the tours and events. If you don't know about Modernism Week, the quick answer is we put on festivals in Palm Springs twice a year, one in October for four days, one in February for 11 days. And we're focused on the mid-century modern design of architecture and architecture of Palm Springs, but we look at what's happening in modernism globally. So we're interested not only in what's happening in Palm Springs in Southern California, but how that relates to architecture and design across the globe. Define modernism for me. What would that mean to somebody who's coming into the valley? It, for us, we define it as a period of basically post-World War II. So let's say 1945 to about 1972 is the period that we're looking at when we talk about mid-century modern. So Randy, right about when you're in your 40s. <laughs> <laughs> well, Good thing I'm going to forget you said that. <laughs> I was going to say there's a lot of people around here who consider themselves mid-century modern at this point. But, you know, it's like which century are we talking about? Because here we're getting to a point here in the, you know, it's 2023. Very soon, these properties will be nearing 70, 80, 100 years old, you know. So it's exciting. 
for example, the Kavanaugh Adobe is a Spanish property in Indian Wells, but it just had its 100th year anniversary. And because that's part of the architectural history and fabric of the Coachella Valley, we're happy to celebrate those properties too. So it's not always about modernism in Palm Springs. We're also looking at the context of what was happening in design in the Coachella Valley. Well, it's such a big draw, and I know just a ton of people who come from L.A., which had its own, and there's still a lot of great mid-century properties in, in Los Angeles, yes. but a lot are gone. Yeah. I and mean, we're kind of the time capsule. There was yes. so much that was preserved. Yeah. Right. I and can't tell you how many Instagram posts I've seen of the elephant car wash. I know. It's like it's a, something that drives people into the valley. It's a nostalgia. You know, it's it's a, a recollection of a time that was certainly more simple yeah. um, and, you know, that, that many of us are nostalgic for. But also we're seeing that younger generations are attracted to modern design because there's a, a simplicity and a, and a chicness to, you know, to modern and contemporary style. Well, I and love the, you know, the clean, sleek lines of, of modernism and, and it's appealing. And there's yeah. a lot of minimalism involved. In yes. it, it's really yeah. it's so attractive. And the whole in, in, out, you know, they, they sort of blurs the, blurs the boundary of the home and where the architecture ends and the environment begins. So, uh, and that could happen nowhere else other than Southern California. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you started with Modernism, the group, in 2005. Is that correct? Well, I think I was a volunteer then. The organization started in 2005, but I I have been there now 10 years. Wow. So it's 2013. Has. And now as I'm executive director. Well, but now I'm CEO. Ooh. I don't think I've told you that. <laughs> we need to start over. <laughs> I made so many mistakes at the first. Oh no! <laughs> but we. And you're here. the one that does the research. We've been here almost 20 years, and and Philip and I actually started volunteering at Modernism Week the first year together. We've been together the, about the same amount of time that Modernism Week yeah, is. Well, we existed. joked about this being an arranged marriage, but how did you two meet? I'll let you take that one. <laughs> well, let's say uh, at the time I uh, had my studio in the city of Indio, and I was uh, right across the street from Border Patrol in a big metal building and uh, you know I was interested in downtown development there was stuff happening downtown and you know Skip is building this new place down there and so you know, it's, uh, this, this vision 20 years later is happening uh, and there was a there was a meeting in the city council chambers about downtown development I said well I'm going to go Little did I know is that uh, on the on the, on the other side of the ha- uh, uh, was was that Lisa's mom was inviting Lisa. You know, hey, why don't you come down? There's this meeting about downtown development, and she's like, oh, I'm I'm interested in that. I studied urban planning. I'm I'm into it. And she's like, well, and there's a friend of mine. He's an architect, and I think you know. And, and Lisa was like, oh boy, here you we know? go. And you know, Lisa was suspicious because her mom was calling her asking what she was wearing 30 minutes before. <laughs> How said, far away are you? I said we're going to city council. Oh, what does it mean? matter? It's a big deal. No, and she so, knew something. You know, I, I, and we met. We met and we exchanged cards. Uh, you gave me your card at the very end and said, "Give me a call. We'll talk about our demographic." 
<laughs> I said, you had, wow. you had the your romance is just flying, flying off of one right there. Me a demographic. <laughs> I called her the next day, and it's been 20 years. So That is true. That uh, part of the story is yes. true. I'm going to have to yes. drop that line on my wife. <laughs> the demographic works. It works. It's 100% of Clearly. the time. So what was your story on how you met? Well, very similar. <laughs> totally that. different. Well, it's good. It was very similar. Very similar. <laughs> the part he's forgetting is that because he was a business owner in Indio, and he was maybe barely 30 years old. It was very unusual for me to see someone my age stand up and speak at city council. In full and sentences. In full sentences. <laughs> Proper grammar and whatnot. I mean, so I was really impressed. When he did, yeah, not was. only were the moms like cheering, you know, but I was pretty impressed with this guy, I have to admit. And the reason I wanted to discuss our demographic is we were the only people in city council chambers, you know, maybe under the age of 60 at that time. Yes. So uh, to have some 30-year-olds interested in downtown redevelopment in India was pretty exciting. It's only taken them 20 years to kind of get back on this subject, but um, I'm a proud Indio High School graduate, go Rajas, and so um, it's always had a special place in my heart, and if you drive around downtown Indio, you will see a lot of good mid-century modern buildings. Yep. It's changing down there significantly. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, totally they are making. Yeah, they're really making a concerted effort. And yeah. as, and yeah. They were talking about it 20 years ago, but now it seems like they're putting some of the, yeah. the plans into place and, and really moving. But yeah. the cogs of government move very slowly. Great as we things know. take time. <laughs> so you <laughs> meet at a city council meeting. Yes. It was obviously <laughs> love at first sight. Right. He called the demographic next day. at first sight. We he did call, Well, thank God you had the card. <laughs> we were married on Friday, but it might have had something to do with the margaritas at Armando's. It could have. I'm not sure. I I think the proposal came soon after. <laughs> Whereas there, how long did it take? To, how long between meeting oh, first? Really? Yeah, I mean, to how do deep it. Do you want to go? On it only took, I mean, four it years. took four years. I had a little growing up to do. Okay, and that's I'll, I'll, I'll be a man about it. Okay. <laughs> And she helped in that process. Well, first Thank of all, goodness. you are the man, so we know that we're oh, the right. ones that had to grow. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, no doubt. I waited. So, she waited. Patiently. <laughs> like this. <laughs> were, I got her just as the expiration Were the was, parents uh, as patient during that yeah, four years? Parents yeah, were great. Were. It's funny. If you ask Judy Bossler, my mom today, she will tell you, you know, I knew they'd be friends, but I didn't know they'd get married. You know, I didn't know they'd end up married. But it's true. We became fast friends. We had interests in common, not only music and festivals, but architecture and design and all those <laughs> hot <Totally>. topics. <laughs> hot topics. But also, I'm just going to say, we uh, maybe too much, but we that we were kind of done with dating in the desert. We had dated. As oh, like we could a have trend, a whole show like, about that. You know, dating in the desert. And, uh, and I had just gotten back from Los Angeles. A friend of mine worked for L.A. Times, Chamalte, and she was writing a story about speed dating. And she's like, why don't you come out and join me on the speed dating thing? Do you remember speed dating? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> and that was probably one of the most intense experiences of my life. And I remember coming back immediately like, it's time to seal the deal with this woman out here mm-hmm. named Lisa. Well, and it's pretty so that clear was, that uh, attending city council <laughs> meetings... Hey. really should be the next thing for most couples. You never know. <laughs> or singles looking it's, to mm-hmm. be couples. Yeah. 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 Like it's Look what it meant for you social. guys. Civic <laughs> and social. Yeah. At least talk a little bit about your, I mean, you're, you're obviously now you're the CEO. Mm, thank you. Congratulations on that. Uh, but talk about what you were doing prior to modernism that, that drew you into that whole conversation. Well, I was lucky that I worked at Palm Springs Art Museum and I 
at the time was very involved with their architecture and design council, which Philip was also the founding chairman of. So we were both really involved in the architecture collection and the growth of that within the museum. And you'll remember that probably around 2010, the museum opened its architecture and design center, making a huge statement that this is not only art that can be collected and exhibited, but that Palm Springs is the center of American architecture and design, right? Why not? Absolutely. Because we have Modernism Week, we have this incredible archive of, you know, true authentic properties, and we have the people willing to educate and share. That's what I found is so unique about our community. We have homeowners that are willing to open their doors to strangers, you know, and and I mean that in the best way. It's because they want to share what's special about their home or about the design and the architecture, and and there's such a wonderful neighborly community throughout all of the neighborhoods of, of Palm Springs and the Coachella Valley. We do tours now not only in Palm Springs, but Rancho Mirage, Palm Desert, Desert Hot Springs, all the way up to Joshua Tree, La Quinta. I'm headed to Indio. You know I'm going there. But Palm Desert and Indian Wells as well. Because the architects that were working in the mid-century were working throughout the valley. They worked on COD. They worked on the hospital. You know, that's why our post offices and liquor stores look the way they do, you know, with the 1950s flat roofs and their post and beam construction. And growing up here as a kid, I knew our architectural style in the desert looked different. I would travel to other places and come home, and it kind of felt like being in the Flintstones or something living out here. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I mean, like, uh, you you drive into Palm Springs, and and any one of those old neighborhoods could be a Flintstones neighborhood. And obviously, they drew their inspiration from some of those great South Palm Springs neighborhoods with the flat roofs and the stone facades. And it's also a great mixture of the Flintstones and the Jetsons. Yes. Right. (laughs) The Atomic Age. age. Yeah, the Atomic Age and Space Hey, we just got our first approved flying car last week. That's right. (laughs) Oh, my God. We're almost there. Long time coming. Well, we thought we would be flying with jetpacks by now, so. We almost are. <laughs> now, um, 2005, if I read right, is when you bought your property in Joshua Tree. Yes. Impressive. And you, you kind of hung on to it for a while. I did, yeah. There was this, this was, uh, you know, there's kind of been these ups and downs up there in Joshua Tree. Like, you know, everybody's buying, and then it's, you know, hear nothing. And uh, yeah, I, was, I was just sort of curious about uh, that world up there. There's a whole community of artists and creatives, and Lisa and I had kind of started to be involved up there a bit. And I was, you know, I want to, I, I said to myself, I want to I build my studio one day up here. So we got this five acres way out there. I mean, way out there. And, uh, and you know, I held on to it for, I mean, still, we, we still have it. But about eight years after that uh, is when I thought about Lucid Stead and this installation. I woke up one morning and said, I, I don't know what it is, but I need to do something with the shack on my five acres. And it was a 70-year-old, weather-worn, you know, 14-foot by 21-foot about to fall over a wooden shack <laughs> with, you know, no door, no glass in the windows, no power, no water, no sewer. I mean, it's a shack. Sounds true great. Shack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it, it came with the property. Um, and, Did he uh, show you a picture? What he is? <laughs> Honey, this is yeah. our romantic getaway. <laughs> yeah. But I, I had this idea. I went to the studio, drew this thing, and, and raised money on a, you know, a friend raising or a, not friend raising. Friend yeah, raising. crowdsourcing. Thank you, crowdsourcing. 
uh, crowdsourcing site and you know all of a sudden there were 125 people that had given money and were expecting greatness and there's this healthy pressure to go build this thing and we went and build Lucid Stead and it uh, that little tiny shack is why I'm now in a 12 and a half thousand square foot studio this little thing just propelled me and allowed Coachella to happen in Desert X and well, it's been really at the root of so much stuff it's an iconic piece yeah I mean it, it, it kind of you look at it and I, it's one of those things that I'm, I'm always a, a great admirer of artists who have this vision. So I, I would have never imagined, I'll just wrap this in mirrors and see where we're going with this. I, I hear I mean, it's, I think it's, it's fascinating. I mean, I had no idea it was going to be what it was going to be. It's like, I had an idea. I raised the money. I'm going to go build it. I figured it was going to be up for five days. And then I'll get back to the studio and keep, keep working on stuff. But it just did, it, it uh, you know, like at three weeks after it opened, it was on the on the Taiwan news, you know, and it was it now has a double page spread in the art history book that I used in college. I mean, I, I didn't know any of that was going to happen, but it was sort of is testament to the idea of following through on an idea all the way to the end. And there's a lot of ideas that are great. They just don't get that kind of publicity and intensity and other ones. For some reason, they do. They hit. I think there's this kind of lore and myth to the desert that is global out there. It's why Joshua Tree National Park is so huge. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's there was there's a, we're kind of hitting on a lot of uh, a, a lot of kind of universal beauty items out there. Desert color reflection. Joshua Tree. Yeah, you could have put that in maybe Central Park, and I don't know that it would have had the same. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> you know, it's I, something about the the natural beauty of Joshua right. Tree and, and reflecting all of that, and right. it kind of expands it and opens it up for people. Totally. I mean, there would have been ten people living it, and the next day the glass would have been broken and been graffiti. But other than that, <laughs> also I, you know, that, just also, also those that. things. But uh, no, it was it. You know, it was. I only planned for it to be up for five days and built it as such, and it ended up being up for three and a half months. Wow. And uh, you know every. Everybody, it's sort of just, uh, it's just, just proliferated in the most exciting of ways. So. I, it, one of the things I love about your stuff and your pieces, um, I was walking in my neighborhood a few weeks ago, and I, somebody had a, a gate in front of their driveway, and, and there was a, a desert scape. And yeah. I thought, oh, that looks pretty cool. And I looked to my left, and I looked out at the mountains, and I went, holy cow, that's the desert scape that's on there. Yeah. Um, driveway i see that in a lot of your stuff where you incorporate the desert into the work was was that something you did from the very beginning or has you have you kind of morphed into that i look i think that growing up here there's this sense that the desert is part of you it's part of your soul you know i left for 11 years to go to the east coast and i sort of joke and say that the like final moments in Boston when I hadn't seen the sun in 11 days straight. You wake up angry. Like everybody wakes up angry. It's 7 a.m. You know, and people have had it. Uh, is I think when when I came back, it was kind of this like, my God, this place is gorgeous. It's beautiful. I want to be part of it. And and also this realization, like, look, artists create beautiful things. How can I make anything more beautiful than a sunset in the Coachella Valley? Well. If I use a mirror, I can use that sunset and the colors of the sunset as artistic material in the work. And so I just continually became inspired by the desert and the beauty of this place, and it became part of my practice. Light is an enormous part of what you do. Yeah. I mean, you work with light, yeah. and you add light to, to like portals with the, the, the electronic glow that you create. Yeah. 
Talk a little bit about just the complexity of doing that. Yeah, I, right, because it's not, you don't go down to the, the art supply store and buy light, <laughs> yeah. you know? Uh, yeah, I know, I've looked. Yeah, just tried it. Um, no, I think, uh, I mean, light is, uh, I will say, at the heart of, like, many of our most memorable experiences as human beings, right? Whether we kind of recognize it or not. Standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon, looking out at the light across there, seeing the light, you know, streaming through a stained glass window in a church in Europe. These are, like, memories and experiences that stay with us. And so I think there's, there's something about the light, um, you know, both on this plane and beyond this plane, that there is something greater and bigger and more beautiful than us. Um, and operating in that world is, uh, is exciting. And so, yeah, I use color, I use reflection, I use light and shadow, all these mountains changing throughout the day. Um, you know, this place, this desert is gorgeous, and all you need to do is stop, get out of your car, and stand quietly for five minutes, and you will be in awe. Uh, if you kind of step away from, you know, the kind of crazy pace of your normal life. I've told this story before, but uh, for the first couple of years I was here, I didn't see it. Mm. I'd look up at the mountains and see no trees and think, well, there's supposed to be trees. Right. And then one day I got up early in the morning, I go for a walk, and the mountain behind me was bright red mm. from the sunrise. Oh, yeah. And at that moment... I got it. Yeah. Right. I got it. Yeah. And we have so many people that we've had on this show that talk about that pull. It, it, I mean, it's just incredible. If you look at who ends up back here in the desert, yeah. a lot of them have spiritual belief. Mm. A lot of them have been really tied into um, entertainment for a very, very long time, almost as a community. Yeah. And that's all here now. Yeah. Well, what I love about you guys is, uh, and you're a very complimentary couple, but you're amplifying what's happening in the desert. And you're amplifying the things, you know, the natural beauty that is here. And with modernism, you're amplifying this incredible architecture and design that exists, and we were trying desperately to preserve it and, and expand it. I just really think that, how does that work as a couple? I mean, you guys seem like... We have a lot of fun. You, you dovetail <laughs> so nicely. Thank you. Yes. Well, we support each other's passions, and so art and architecture is something that we have in common, but we also have separate areas of interest, and sometimes we listen to different music, sometimes we go to different events, but we enjoy supporting each other's projects, and so many of our friends, and friends like both of you, but so many people are involved in wonderful events and causes here in the desert that it's not just our own projects we're very involved in. We really enjoy supporting our friends and the community projects as well. Talk about that a little bit, because you guys uh, have been very involved in a lot of different philanthropies and charities. Well, I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll back up a little bit, too, and say that I feel like you know, there was a perception that the place was about, just about golf and tennis, kind of pre-2000, you know, and something happened, something has happened over the last 23 years. As you mentioned, you got Coachella, you got Desert X and Modernism Week, and uh, there's a kind of growing up of the place. And, and the I film festival blew up. Film in the festival, same I mean, so much, right? And it's ultimately about cultural activities, right? And I think that through architecture and design, certainly, Lisa and I have found some of our best friends. I mean, they're friends that we met way back at the very beginning when it's like, hey, we're interested in preserving this home. Who's interested? And then there'd be this, all these people come out of the woodwork we've never met before, all like-minded and sort of, I think we definitely found our community both through the museum and through architecture and design. 
but I mean, all of the different organizations you've been involved with. Well, both of us had parents that raised us to, to give back and, right. and mostly with our time because that's the thing that, you know, of course we can write a check and contribute and we feel good doing that too. But giving our time and trying to, you know, return some of the favor that's been given to us by the good people of the Coachella Valley, you know, trying to help our friends out with their causes. So everything from, you know, small one-off music festivals that sometimes turn into something like our friends that put together events at the mall or you know events in India we love to go to to those kind of one-off little independent festivals but also you know Boys and Girls Club is near and dear to our heart both of Palm Springs and of Coachella Valley and there have been so many programs that contributed to to both of us growing up for example I, I grew up you know volunteering at the Braille Institute and volunteering with Angel View and all of those organizations are still here. They need our help. You know, they need, we're kind of on the young side still, which is nice. They need young people to get involved. You still got it. Exactly. You're jiggy. So, as much as we rely on the goodness of our residents and volunteers at Modernism Week, and people are so incredibly generous, in that same way, you know, we have to help out the, the real charities of the Coachella Valley as well. Your, your mother was one of the very first people I met when I moved here. And she's been so involved. I mean, just... Uh, she's amazing. I like to call her the queen of the desert, of she, course. I would agree. <laughs> she is. But, you know, Patrick, many people have told me that, that she was one of the first people they met. And when I hear that, I think, how lucky, because she knows everybody. She'll open doors for you. She'll take you under her wing. You know, she's been the best mentor and friend to me and my friends and, and yeah. Philip and as well. She's definitely, she's a great cheerleader. You know, during Thank COVID, we had stopped doing Eye on the Desert because there was... We there were, were heartbroken. I know. No, no events to talk and, about. And your mother probably... Once every couple of weeks would call me up and say, when is this coming back? <laughs> Who do I need to call? Yeah. What do we need to do? Hey, why we is it so damn hot? <laughs> and why is it so hot? Patrick, it doesn't matter what time of day you do that show, we'll be watching. Did you have a sense growing up um, of what the family meant to the desert? Boy, I really didn't. No? No. I mean, I knew they were working really hard. My, my family, just, just for a quick background, was part of Landmark Golf Company, which was one of the larger golf course development companies here in the desert. They built and owned projects in La Quinta and PGA West and Mission Hills. And my, my, my uncles, my grandfather, who was a PGA Hall of Fame tour player, Ernie Vossler, um, were were pioneers in La Quinta before the city was formed and you know Philip and I were lucky to grow up around that and with my family building golf and his father working for Sunrise and Bill Bone who built the homes that's how our families knew each other so I could tell at the time you know because big golf tournaments were starting to come to the desert and we were very involved with the skins game for many years and you know there there was a lot happening not only in golf but with the tennis tournament you could feel that the valley was ready to explode 
But when you're a kid out here and it's yeah. 115 degrees, you're, you're just looking not, for a swimming pool. And there's nothing to do. <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, the mall was the greatest thing that happened in 1982, you know, when you're, the mall opened. I mean, we're, we were teenagers. And also, if I mean, look, the desert is still small, but it was ultra small then. <laughs> there's a feeling that, like, everybody knew everybody. So it's not like you're, uh, you know, someone in the big city doing something important. Like, everybody's doing something important. It felt like everybody was part of the growth of the desert then, right? Mm-hmm. Like we were all, everybody, if you were here, you were working to establish something. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, I know I have that ingrained in me, like a desire for that to be part of something that is new and to help build something up from scratch. And I think that came from growing up here in the desert. Well, so tell us for somebody, a couple that's been around for so long and, and grew up here, how do you feel the desert is right now? I mean, obviously, you talked about an explosion back then, but it kind of feels like that's happening again uh, with some of the things that have taken place in the valley, the arena coming in, uh, some other things. What's your sense with, with where the valley's headed right now? Boy, it really feels great. I mean, when I think about how this valley survived post-pandemic, you know, here we are in 2023 coming out of probably the hardest period any of us have experienced in business and so many other things personally, but I'm so happy not only for the valley, but how the valley has continued to grow and and expand and care for itself, care for each other. I do think we're starting to finally talk about things like climate change and population growth and roadways and, you know, railway systems, mass transportation, all of these things that are going to really impact our valley because we're so strategically placed between Phoenix and Los Angeles. You know, we will always be an area of growth and interest, but also because when you look out the window, it's paradise and there's not many places in Southern California that you can afford to buy a house, start a new career, be a single mom and raise your your child here, you know, in a wonderful nurturing environment. So I'm I'm thrilled with how the Coachella Valley is growing. I think the growth is inevitable. And if it wasn't 115 here, everyone would be here. Well, that's that's actually the saving grace. (laughs) Every once in a while, it gets to 120 and freaks people out so that (laughs) we're not 5 million people sitting in this valley. That's right. uh, So it's it's a double-edged sword, but it's kind of a good thing. We we need something that does curb the growth. It uh, runs them off. I think, uh, I think it's still a little Wild West. You know, yes. it's still like there's still the feeling that you can show up tomorrow and scratch your business name on a piece of cardboard and tape it to a door and you're the guy doing that. And people know it and word spreads, right? I think there's something, you know, spicy and exciting about that. I do, you know, I think, I mean, obviously, if you've been out here long enough, um, you see the vacant land disappearing. There's this feeling almost, it's almost like a tube of toothpaste, you know, <laughs> like it's starting, like it's, it's squishing it down. There's not much left from Palm Springs, Palm Desert, and you're moving, you know, East Valley, East Valley. Um, so I'm really, I'm actually very curious about what the East Valley will be like 25 years from now. I think it's going to be a very different place well, than it is today. It, it, I, I agree, you know, and you look at the demographics of the valley, and India has long been the largest city, 100%. but, but it, it is not the focus. Yep. You know, people focus on yep. Palm Springs, or and so it, it's kind of interesting. I think that that India's day is coming. I think it's going to be yes. the dominant city in the valley in, in about ten years. It's going to be the hub of yeah. the valley. <laughs> if, I See, that's we've how, been that's here long enough goes. to remember that. Jingle. That's what it used the to be. Goes, yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> 
we're running low on time, but I want to ask uh, both of you. First of all, what's next for you, Phil? What, what what big project? I mean, you have public art in all of these wonderful cities across the country and uh, yeah. around yeah. the world. Uh, well, so I've got I've got three big uh, public art projects that are all in fabrication. Then one's going to North Scottsdale, one to Bellevue near Seattle, uh, another to La Jolla, and then I got a whole bunch of private commissions and things I'm working on and. I have, I'm, I'm putting it out there publicly that I, I have a, a strong desire to return to Joshua Tree and to do something uh, permanent up in Joshua Tree as an art experience. So I'm working towards that this summer. That's exciting. Yeah, right? Tell us more about that. You're moving to a little cabin in Joshua oh, no, Tree. Like I, tell you. I have a homesteader shack with my name on it. You're welcome. But it's going to have mirrors on the outside, yeah, it's so it's be, really going to cool. be fabulous. It is the 10th year, though, the 10-year anniversary of Lucid's Dead. Yeah. I think you should do something. In October, yeah. All right, and for you, Lisa, now that you're the CEO yes. of Modernism, what is, I mean, I think that gives you the opportunity to expand on your vision for what Modernism Week, Thank you. both weeks look like. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're still growing. I mean, Modernism Week doesn't need to get any bigger in terms of days of the week. There's already an 11-day week for us there. But we're more and more interested in homes that we haven't seen before that's always special that's the number one thing people want to see when they come are the special and iconic properties of palm springs but also we're still we're still looking at the other valley cities and working in those communities to develop new relationships and and see what we can tour for example last year we went up to the joshua retreat center in joshua tree and if you don't know that complex it's built by Lloyd Wright, the son of Frank Lloyd Wright. It's probably the largest concentration of his work in the West, and it's right here in Joshua Tree. Wow. And they opened it up for a tour during Modernism Week, and so things like that happen each year that are special one-time opportunities. And I'll give you a hint. Next year is our 20th anniversary, and we are already working on some really special events for that 20th year. So this February and next February, the 19th and 20th, are going to be bigger and better than ever. Very cool. I, I, I sense a remote. I sense a remote coming. <laughs> um, you have been You know, the whole podcast is on remote. We do it in a bar. <laughs> I haven't figured out the whole process yet. I'm You're like, invited. This is a remote. You're I'm invited. invited. Thank you. How about that? Uh, if I have a plus one, I might invite Patrick, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, I completely forgot my question there. Oh, that's what it was. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Modernism Week is going to continue. You've got momentum on that for God knows how long. But you're working on something I consider significantly more important. It's massive. Right <laughs> more important I mean, than Modernism Week. I agree. This is going to this <laughs> is going to blow up in about two weeks. It's, I mean, and again, I'm not saying when we're recording this or what day of the week or what month or what year. But, but we did record this is about before the Desert Sun broke the story. Before the Desert Sun broke any yeah. news yeah. about an Instagram project yes. that you have. Yeah. Please tell us about it. This is so cool. Thank you, Randy. I'm blushing. I, I have a very special Instagram art project, and it started just as a side hobby. It's called Tiny Palm Springs, and you'll find it on Instagram. It is a Barbie-themed photography 
page, but I tell soap opera style stories that are inspired by my adventures in Palm Springs. And so about six years ago, I started posting my Barbie photography on Instagram because I realized I had special opportunities to hang out at Frank Sinatra's house for hours by myself or outside the Kaufman house waiting for the ballets to arrive or whatever. <laughs> so I had a chance to take pictures of Barbie in front of historic architectural properties. And I started doing that just for fun. And after I had about a thousand photos, Philip said, these are kind of good. What are you going to do with this? Now, were you a Barbie fan growing up? Is I was. What? I was. I, you know, I, um, I was a girl of the 70s and so definitely played with Barbie and my Barbies were all career girls. They drove convertibles and had cell phones and they worked went to at the, the art disco. museum. Oh yeah. <laughs> they, so CEOs. you know, yeah, they were CEOs. And um, but like most people, I matured and the Barbies went into a box and I forgot about them. For about 30 years, I have to admit. And about 10 years ago, a girlfriend gave me a Barbie that she thought looked like me at Modernism Week. And and that really kind of started my interest because I realized I could hold it up in front of a mid-century modern building and it looked like she was there in real life. You know, it was in perspective, I guess is the way to describe that. So I... I started taking photos, sharing them with with my friends on Instagram, and the next thing I knew I had a few thousand followers. And it turns out there are thousands of other people who do what I do, which is basically fashion photography for Barbie. And it just happens to be the summer of that Barbie. That is so cool. So I, you know, I'd like to say you heard it here first, but uh, it is the summer of Barbie. And um, I have built my own little replica dream house <laughs> at Tiny Palm Springs. So this week I'm busy photographing her and we're turning July pink in uh, on Instagram. So everyone will be using Barbie hashtags Very cool. and, and trying to celebrate. When did your celebrate. Ken page come out? <laughs> my Ken page, we're, we're working on it. Yeah. Uh, we're pretty deep. We're trying to get the inventory of photos up to a thousand and then just a waterfall of PR and marketing. He is my production manager. Check I the shop soon. It's going to be I really merch. feel like Skipper needs some representation here. Oh, Skipper just, figures prominently. Okay, good. good. She, you, just got, you just got a new one. Yeah, I, I have a, a new Skipper. Just in turn. I did. I, oh, Philip, you paid attention. Look, I'm, I'm up on it. Well, yeah, for I'm, the Barbie collectors out there, I just want to say. I, I am 50% of He owns 50% of those dolls. There is no end to what you can find online. So all of those toys you couldn't have when you were a kid, you can buy them now secondhand on you know sites like eBay and Macari. Well, I also so. say we we are both only children, <laughs> and so we there there is this kind of like we can call each other on our stuff, and so but we also have this we we can we can happily entertain ourselves for hours on end. It's not a problem. Stuck in an airport five hours, no big deal. I got that, not a problem. So the the desire to kind of like play in this world by yourself is. Like normal, it's no big deal. It's fine. It's what we actually desire. So well, by the time I style their hair, do the right. casting, pick out the fashions, build the diorama, make all the miniatures, set the lighting, get the. All Are the you going to have design. time for modernism? Week? I barely do. This is blowing up. <laughs> We're working on a on, on a uh, new staff as part of <laughs> as Tiny, tiny Palm Springs. Yeah. They're There's very small. interns out there, so people can find that on Instagram at Tiny Palm Springs. That's, That's tiny it. Palm Springs, okay. Yes, it's a fantastic site. Thank I was looking you. through it today. It was really fun. It's pretty silly, but it you. You know, it brings me so much joy, and I was so glad during the pandemic to have a hobby 
because it saved me. And I realized I was part of a community of other doll photographers. And so we ended up becoming friends and doing interviews with each other on Instagram. And now there's all this content that's been created around Barbie and we all feel very much a part of it. It's been fun. So you you brought this up really quickly, the, the pandemic. I mean, modernism, we shut down. Well, you know... I mean, you were doing some virtual... We were lucky. Yes, stuff. we started doing video programming. We were challenged because you couldn't gather. You mm-hmm. couldn't bring people together. And even the notion of someone opening their home to strangers at that point seemed very risky. And there were days that we thought, how will we ever come back? How, how will this ever end? And fortunately, the city worked with us very closely and we followed all of the COVID guidelines, of course, but we were able to produce a few small day, small four-day festivals during the pandemic, as well as about 40 video programs that we released, all about architecture, Palm Springs, mid-century modern design. You know, we, we were learning new talents and new skills and really had to shift into keeping our audience engaged at a time that they were stuck at home and really needed the engagement. So people were living vicariously yep. through us in Palm Springs. We were able to show them a beautiful architectural tour of the streets of Palm Springs while they were stuck in their homes, you know, in the snowy winter. So And you've recovered. Modernism Week yes. is recovered. We're and back. you're bigger and better than ever. It is. We had a terrific year in 2023. Still up over 100,000 attendees. And, you know, it, it, it felt like a normal year, I'd have to say. Well, the one thing we've seen from this podcast is whatever people are doing explodes immediately after they appear on the yeah, podcast. So, <laughs> so whatever you're working Barbie on movie now. that's yeah. going to put Tiny Palm Springs on the map. It's, it's it is podcast. definitely big conversations, little bark. Well, thanks for having us. Hey, yeah, it's been thanks, a pleasure guys. and a delight. So fun to Absolutely. actually get the both of you to sit down. And I, I'm delighted that we were the first ones to yeah, do that. Yeah, to yes, think of it. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. And that we broke some news that apparently some newspaper is going to be breaking at some point in the future. Oh, yes, about Tiny Palm Springs. About Tiny Palm Springs. Yes, exactly. And that we're here. Next time you can have the moms on with us. Oh, that would be very cool. Then we'll hear the real story. That's right. And then you guys just have to sit and listen. You you get the real story. Thank you both for being on this show. Thank you guys. So appreciative of your time. And uh, we just, we love what you do, both of you here in the community and and beyond. Thank you. It's terrific. We love it too. Thanks. Randy, thank you very much. Another great job. You wrangled some guests. This doesn't work very good on the radio, shaking hands. <laughs> and John, our producer and engineer extraordinaire, we appreciate your help as well. We really appreciate you all listening, and whatever your podcast platform of choices, you will find Big Conversations Little Bar. Once again, our thanks to Skip Page for hosting us and the entire team at Little Bar for putting up with us and stealing a corner of their bar for a very long period of time. Thank you guys for listening, and keep it posted right here for more episodes of Big Conversation Little Bar. Thanks for listening to Big Conversations Little Bar. Join Randy and Patrick next time as we keep the conversation going right here on Big Conversations Little Bar. Little Bar.